Welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And we have yet another guest on today. The thing makes that three in a row. And we've got a fourth one coming up in like one more episode. So four out of the five episodes there, we'll have a guest. We just like talking to people, so we're keeping it moving. Um, today on the show, we're going to be having Eli Fishman, who uh, is a young sports writer. Uh, I, I guess that's probably the scout. best. Yeah, scout. I was going to say this probably, you know, the two best words to use to describe him at this point. He's been covering. Um, if you're a Yankees fan, you almost certainly know who he is at this point. If you have a Twitter account, because he's been posting a lot of video and scouting reports and updates, trade rumors, whatnot. Um, from the Yankees minor league systems, from their farm system, um, keeping people up to date with what's been going on with uh, prospect uh, performances and rehab performances from players that are being, you know, sent that have been in uh, Scranton or in uh, uh, Somerset to try to make their way back to the majors. Currently there, you know, Luis Severino, he was just posting about Luke Voigt's in Scranton. So, uh, he's been busy. He's been very busy. Uh, it was really nice getting the chance to talk to him. Uh, here is our conversation with Eli Fish. All right. We are joined today by Eli Fishman, who's currently covering uh, how many, how much of the Yankees minor league system? I feel like you post about everything. every player I've ever heard. Everything. Of. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> um. All right, so welcome to the show, man. Thank you guys. I didn't so realize your last me. name was Mike Trout. Haha. Close ha, enough. Ha, ha, ha. Ha. We've made that joke enough. I had to throw that in there. I hate you. Um, I know you do. Eli, here at the top, where can people find you? Where do you where do you uh, write for? Where can people access you? Uh, I write for a couple of sites: Prospects fifteen hundred, JerseySportingNews.com, uh, Pinstripe Prospects. Um, you know, a lot of places for Yankees prospects covering the Somerset Patriots, their double A team for Jersey Sporting News. Um, and YouTube channel is Eli Fishman, and Twitter is at Eli J. Fishman. Twitter's where I'm the most active. That's where that's where you should follow me. Now that's where that's where we ended up linking up for that exact reason. Um, and you had been very busy lately with the trade deadline and keeping track of uh which players were potentially getting pulled out of games, which player keeping people updated on which players were staying in games as in don't think these players got moved. Um, so actually, you know, I'm going to back up a little bit and I want to make myself potentially feel old. Uh, Eli, how old are you? 17 years old. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I feel this is that you are officially the first guest that is younger than each of us. Um, anyway, so when did you, when did you decide that like, I, I love baseball too much to not have it be the thing that dominates 23 of the 24 hours of my day. It's the 24, like 24, 24, seven. The dreams are about baseball. That's how like baseball oriented I am. Um, But yeah, I've always wanted to do something in baseball. And I was uh, 11 years old when I started, uh, you know, going to the local college baseball games at Seton Hall university. And I would, interview the players and, you know, sit behind the plate and write up my own little scouting reports that I posted on my, I have a Google website. Yeah. You know what that is? Like, it's like mm-hmm. the, it's the worst website and the worst oh, version yeah. of anything you could possibly do. And I would just post stuff on there. 
um, and it's grown and grown. So how did you find yourself in this opportunity? I guess really you probably didn't, you know, really churned out and dug for this opportunity to cover so much of one of the marquee sports franchises in the country. Um, how did you end up in this position? Um, the main way I ended up in this position is the Somerset Patriots. Um, and they're the Yankees double-A affiliate, and it's their first year, actually, um, as their double-A team. They've always been an independent team, which means they're not affiliated, and all the players that get released or get cut from teams or, you know, are coming over from the Mexican League or the Korean baseball organization or wherever, trying to get an opportunity here, trying to get back to the majors or to the majors. They all, you know, went to that uh, independent Atlantic League. So I've been covering them for years, been going to games since I was 12 years old. And this year, um, Brian Cashman picked them as the Yankees double affiliate just because they're a great fan base and, you know, well run overall organization organization. So that's been the huge in. But I've been going to, you know, Yankees minor league games forever. This was Staten Island Yankees used to be a team and um, down in Florida, they've got um, right right by where my grandma lives. Actually, there's. it's the Yankees uh, minor league headquarters. So all the, you know, players who were drafted work out there and the guys who are rehabbing, um, you know, get their work there, all that stuff. So, you know, all these opportunities have kind of come together. And then this year with Somerset, and it's actually the first year I have a car and a license. So with those two things, now I've, you know, been able to cover the entire Yankees organization. Yeah. She's really falling in line, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Quite. I'll tell you what, I've lived in Allentown in the Lehigh Valley for like a year now. And thanks to COVID, I have yet to be to a single Allentown Iron Pigs game. And I feel like I've really done myself a disservice. I yeah, you're missing out on the sweet, sweet the bacon? Phillies, right? Yeah. 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 The food, the food at that ballpark is insane. Mm. It's bacon oriented. Is it really? Yeah. Dude, like you can get a bacon hat there. Greg wears yeah. that hat constantly. That's I have his a bacon hat. hat. I have a bacon hat. Did the Iron Pigs used to be a Yankees affiliate? No, I, I think they were think always so. the Phillies. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I could have sworn I've seen a photo somewhere of like Aaron Judge wearing an Iron Pigs jersey, and it's just like, oh shit, I live there. I totally I guess, brought that up because I thought it was a Yankees affiliate. Yeah. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he was in that stadium because of, he's been in the stadium many, many yeah, times. Because but so he was probably part of Stanton's Rail, rail riders jesus christ um what do i know yeah cool so corwin you can go fuck yourself thanks for chiming in oh uh, thanks hey <laughs> great chatting with you eli. i'll see you later so so eli as as you so you do scouting reports now i guess you've, you've been doing them like forever just kind of on your own and, and now you know it's got a ton of value because not people don't have the access as much as with the major leagues to keep an eye on what's happening in the minors and really rely on local reporting to get a good feel for what's going on at the minor league level in real time. In addition to after the fact, you know, keeping track of stats and making the statistics accessible and uh, you know, in people's pockets via Twitter or however people tend to get it for you, uh, for the three of us here, it's probably Twitter. Uh, so when you're going through and when you're doing your scouting reports, how someone's been looking, what are you, what are you keeping an eye on in particular? Um, it's, it's so hard to describe. It's just, 
you know, you really, you really just have to have to see it and experience it like the pop of the bat um, or just the specific movement of, of a baseball or where they hit it to the field um, in terms of, you know, hitting it the other way, how they, how the bat, bat is angled. There's just so many things um, you look at and, you know, going off that one huge thing for me has been video and there's not very much video in the minor leagues. Um, every team or most teams have a three camera broadcast where there's just three cameras up at the concourse. And so what I do is I've got a little camcorder and I go down and um, right in front of the action, get, get the videos and try to get the best angles of the specific player that I'm looking at. Um, so those videos, not just for me to see those players have been huge for everyone. And that's, you know, how Twitter has been huge is being able to share those videos where unless you're right at that game, sitting in that first row, no one else can, can see that. Um, so that's, what's been, been pretty special uh, about all of this. So video is really just one way that really helps me look at players. And, you know, if you watching my video and going back, what I do when I want to, you know, look at a player or change my thoughts on a guy is I'll just go back and watch, watch my stuff on him, you know, because you can really get a good sense of everything that happens and there's really nowhere else that you can do that. And do you feel like you're gaining a good sense of a player's comfortability with being at a given level? Absolutely. Um, this is the first year that I've like really, you know, paid 100% every single second to the games. I've always been more, you know, looking at the box score, doing a lot of interviews before the games, that kind of thing. But this is the first year, like I'm, I'm, you know, sitting in the stands and I, I'm in, on the first row for every single pitch of the game. So um, yeah. And I've really been able to, to see talent and just the difference between every level because um, I've actually been to every level of the Yankees organization this season from rookie ball to a triple a and actually the Yankees MLB team as well, but just the differences between every, every level and, and the talent and, you know, the, the kinds of players and how they swing and how hard they throw and all those things. So out of curiosity, because we, we don't usually get the, too much of a chance to talk to people who covered the game so intimately, what direction are you given if any, when you actually go to games, are there things that uh, your editor or whomever you might be communicating with tell you specifically to keep an eye out for or specifically to write about after the game? Or is it kind of like free reign, like Eli, just make it to the game and give us back whatever you think is relevant for the day? I'm really freelance. So I just bounce around and kind of whatever I get. You know, if, you know, like for example, the other day I got an interview with a top Yankees prospect and I said, hey, can, can I put, can I, can you guys publish this? And, you know, Twitter has been huge with that in terms of, you know, I share that my thoughts on a player and then it's been picked up and um, yeah, but I write for a few different places where I can just, you know, pop it there if I need, but I really am just roam free and kind of whatever I see, whoever I see, whoever I meet um, kind of just takes me wherever I go, I guess. When you're scouting and you're going to these games and you're, you're watching certain players, do you typically find that you get more enjoyment watching the superstar guys? Like if you went and saw Vladito when he was still playing, you know, in AAA, or do you like watching these, you know, middle tier players, lower tier players, guys that aren't obviously amazing, aren't obviously, you know, going to be stars at the next level, picking apart their game, finding, you know, all those little things rather than just 
being able to watch the best players play baseball? I do. I do enjoy watching the less talented, I would say, guys play. Um, for the Yankees, they there's three catchers in the minor leagues who are like their, their top prospects, and they're all very flawed in their own ways. And Yankees Twitter has been picking them apart um, because they're having a really, really tough time. And, you know, I've looked at all three of them really, really closely this season and um, how I would say not great they are um, and tried to really examine that. But, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun when you see the stars. You know, I actually saw Vladdy um, when he was in high A in like 2017. So it's always fun to see those guys. And especially when, you know, like, like with a guy like Vladdy or with a Jason Dominguez or, you know, a judge, like, you know, that guy's going to be a star when you're watching him play and just the way they go about their business, but especially the little guys, um, you know, the late round draft pick that you've never heard of the guys who sign out of, you know, independent ball or D3 and just how they go about themselves considering they're, you know, kind of a nobody is also really interesting. It's hilarious to think that you saw Vladdy in high A in 2017, and then he made his rookie debut in 2019. Yeah, <laughs> that is uh, that a team, ridiculous ascension. <laughs> that team had it was it was Vladdy, Kevin Biggio, and um, Boba Shet on the same team. <laughs> what? There was like a documentary about that high A team, or that. Yeah, it was on it was yeah. on MLB Network. They were they were there um, mm-hmm. at the you know, feel the same or the day before I was. So really? I was, I was no, so pissed. Cool. I was pissed that like I missed uh, MLB network shooting the little mini documentary there and they, they were on the sports illustrated cover and everything. <laughs> so, so when you go to a game and you're trying to get uh, a player to, to interview, like what, what does that look like? Do you show up super early and, and just kind of like shout at them and, and, until they, they come on over? Or? Yeah. I mean, I'm usually, put in a situation where they have to walk by me either strategically or just like with that's where the media area is or whatever. And I usually just have to like, the hardest part is finding the guys because like you do so much reading about a guy and you know, where he's from and what his stats are. But when there's like 20 guys walking towards you, it's so hard to actually identify which one he is. I was going like to say, that's, yeah, that's the pictures. biggest problem. Yeah. yeah but even with the stuff. pictures, even with the pictures is hard. Have you ever like started like going up to a guy and like starting a conversation and then realizing like halfway through, like, Oh, this is a very, the amount of times that that has happened is ridiculous. The amount of times I've, well, what I always try to do just to save myself from asking the guy questions is say his name first, like what's up, blah, blah, blah. Just to, just to make sure. And I always say, hi, my name is Eli. When I, when I meet them and I pray, I just pray that they say, hi, my name is whatever. So I know I've got the right guy, but the amount of times like guys have been like, yeah, that's not me. is is ridiculous. You just have to go along with it and just be like, well, I'm going to interview you now. Or is it just like, Oh, do can you point that guy out? Can you tell me where he is? It kind of depends. It's there's been times where like, it's a guy that I actually like, you know, know enough about where I can, I can do an interview with him or something or just to save myself the embarrassment I've, I've before acted like he was actually the person I meant to interview. That would absolutely be my move. (laughs) I would absolutely be like, Oh, sorry. Sorry. I I knew that I had the wrong name written down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I've done that. I've done that once or twice, but 
with COVID, it's much, it's much easier in terms of like now, like the media people are like bring you people and you're not like in the clubhouse or anything trying to find guys. Um, and a lot of stuff is over Zoom this year, which sucks. But in the past, it's happened many times. Although Zoom could be helpful with the names thing, since all of our names are in the bottom left-hand corner of our boxes. It's, it's helpful with the names, but it's when, you know, like after a game and you guys are like literally, you know, a couple rooms away and you have to talk on Zoom. And when there's like, when there's like 20 people in terms of like, you know, all the, all the members of the media trying to talk to this, it's just a horrible dynamic. It's not a real conversation. And you feel so pressured with your questions, like your questions, a have to be good and B have to be on topic. Cause like, I'm the kind of guy who asks about like, you know, you played well last night, you know, what'd you eat for, for breakfast this morning? Um, and it feels like I can't ask those questions this year because like all the other people in the zoom meeting are like, who the fuck wants to hear about this? Right. Right. You're not only having the pressure of the player to answer your questions, but now it's everybody in the media exactly. scrum all also thinking who the fuck is asking this. I, I, exactly. I so when, when you do get the chance to, to interview a player, let's say, you know, away from the, the zoom part of it and you get a little bit of one-on-one time outside of the, the what to get for breakfast, which I am also curious to hear what your favorite answer has been to that question. Um, what, what do you like to ask, Like, what do you, what are you trying to find out? Um, that's a tough question. Cause it really depends on exactly what I'm doing, what I'm looking for. I would guess the easiest answer is I'm want an answer to my question when I'm interviewing them uh, instead of like, you know, whatever, I don't even know, whatever you would be interested in, whatever you ate for breakfast. It's more like, um, you know, how do you feel playing in this league that's advanced? I don't want them to say, um, oh, it's, it's, it's nothing, you know, it's a level up. I want them to give the answer that I could write up in a quote being like, oh, it's really tough. It's a big difference. So whatever question I can ask to get that answer, um, you know, even if it's sometimes a weird question, but you know, I ask like a lot of my favorite question to ask is if you were MLB commissioner for a day, what would you do? I try to ask that to every single guy because just that the answers are so different. And you like really get a sense for the guy as a, a person and be a baseball player when you ask that question. And, you know, they've been thinking about that for hours leading up to like, you yeah. know, every player yeah. out there is like, man, I would change this. In a exactly. What's the best answer you've gotten so far from that? I've gotten what's funny is I've gotten an insane range of answers. Like I would think, and also I always talk to minor leaguers, but only a few of them say change minor league pay or that's not necessarily at the top of their list. Um, but I'm trying to think I've heard um, I've heard seven inning double or seven inning games. I've heard um all no, games name that f- prospect name that prospect i'm so trying to remember make who sure it was. We never wrote a kneecap that guy absolutely i'm trying not. to remember do you know who I, I could be very wrong i could be very wrong but i think it was nick mayton who's i now he's i think actually the shortstop for the phillies right now that's why he got traded he got traded <laughs> oh wait no i'm thinking of um who did they just what shortstop did they just trade to the rangers who am i thinking uh, the of? only prospect i know they traded was spencer howard no, that's who the Phillies traded to the Rangers. Who the Yankees traded to the Rangers? Oh, he's Joey still Gallo. Made, uh, made still the Phillies. Yeah, First yeah. Time. No, I have too many. Too many prospects got moved at this trade deadline for me to have all of these players straight. Yeah, hey, Josh. that's where I'm going to land on that. 
Now you go fuck yourself. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I'll work on that. That's what we're here for. So do you, do you ever get into the the living conditions part of it? Because not only do you have, you know, a, a lot of guys that grew up in the States in you know varying conditions, but are used to a certain extent what different socio socioeconomic statuses feel like in the US, but you also have a lot of players who come over from Latin America and and elsewhere. Um, that this might be their first time spending any real time in the States and they might not have a good sense of what these living conditions are in comparison to how the rest of Americans live. So do you ever, do you ever ask about that kind of stuff or do you tend to stick with on the field business? I usually stick with on the field business, but obviously when you're in, you know, in minor league baseball, as long as me, you obviously ask about it and, and hear, hear all the stories about guys um, and, the living conditions and um, I'm, I mainly hear about like the food. That's the, that's the biggest topic in minor league baseball is how weird and sometimes bad the, the food is for players, but um, the living conditions, I haven't really gotten into a ton mainly because I do think actually a lot of the teams in my area all um, provide housing to players and there's hotels. So there hasn't really been any problems in terms of like the teams that I cover. So I think that's a reason, but, um, you know, baseball, minor league baseball is in an insane world. And there are, there, I've heard some insane stories about, you know, 20 hour bus rides where the bus broke down and it turned into a 30 hour bus ride. You're in the bus for 30 hours and you pull up to the stadium at six o'clock for a seven o'clock game and you play the game, those kind of things. Um, uh yeah yeah i remember i'm uh i'm currently reading cc sabathu's book which just came out earlier this month and he talks about uh nothing of that length but having to take bus rides everywhere around like the appalachians yeah because they just like that was what they did and they'd be taking bus rides around like rickety weird mountainside roads that were like horrifying and everyone was just like fucking scared and just, yeah. yeah i've heard I, the the 3 a.m flights to play to play a noon game and you know the the day long lay, layovers where you have to stay in airports um you know i've heard of guys five guys living in a hotel room with one bed and um you know i i i don't remember who it was the other day i i heard i i he didn't tell me but it was it was another story on some media outlet where um he paid an insane amount for uh, for rent for the entire season at his level. You know, he was in AAA for whatever team pays pays the rent for the whole year and figures that if he gets promoted or something, he can hand it off to someone else because usually the team takes it and the team gives it to another player and the pet. You know, they set it up like that. Um, in this situation the guy didn't get promoted. He just got totally traded. So the team didn't, wasn't as willing to help him out. Totally screw him over. He has to pay for an entire season of housing that he's not living in. And it costs more than his entire paycheck. Just, just the stuff like that. And yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's fucking horrifying. Yeah. It and, is. and especially if for the guys who don't have the financial support outside of, of baseball, you know, there's in terms of families and the guys who do come from, you know, you know, the Dominican Republic, 
and the guy who's the guys who's signing bonuses can't necessarily cover any of it. Yeah, I know the 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 signing bonus one is a huge one, and obviously not having, um, not even local, but just wealthy family to help support you, or yeah. even family of any of any above middle class stature to kind of help ease some of the burden of the, it is, I mean, it's one of the fundamental problems in baseball. And this is something Corey and I talk about a lot and it's true in a lot of sports. I think it shows up the most in baseball because you, I mean, a lot of prospects spend a long time in the oh, minors. Yeah. Whereas, you know, at the NHL level, if you're in the AHL, you're not as likely to spend as long there because unlike other sports, baseball is a sport you can play reasonably play for 15 years which is not necessarily true for other sports. And that leads a lot of guys to spending. I mean, it's not unheard of to hear a guy spend eight years in the minors, you know, before I've he heard, I've heard, here. I've heard like 16 years. Yeah. Minors. There's some guys that spend insane, insane amounts of time. And some guys never even make it to the majors is, is the craziest part. No. And then you hear about, you know, what those guys try to have to do to like get by, like he, uh, Eric Kratz was famous. The, uh, catcher for a whole bunch of teams, but I think he retired a Yankee. Um, he was like a construction worker in the winter and he worked a bunch of odd jobs during, during the baseball season, just to like make ends meet. I've and, heard some uh, crazy, some crazy ones. I'm trying to think. Um, I've heard from two different people who were the baggage claim guy at the airport. One guy tossed the bags in, um, in the plane. Another guy was the guy with the, um, you know, flasher things that leads. There's a lot of door dashes, a lot of Ubers, um i've heard plumber um yeah but there's there's some there's some really funky ones i've heard uh, or not i've heard but there's literally during the summer or during the winter 99 percent of amazon drivers are baseball players minor league baseball players that's obviously not a real stat i'm obviously right right no i i, 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 I got you. you know what i mean you know yeah what I mean. yeah all the amazon flex drivers I mean, and that's, the, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta get your scratch where you can get it, man. That's fucking tough. So if, so let me, all right, let me, let me, let me take us down to a different path for, if I, if I may, what is the ultimate career goal for what you're doing right now? Where yes, do you want to be? Yankees broadcaster, Michael K. You want to take Michael K's job? want to take Michael K's job. Um, I will not you got only, the voice for it. I'll give you that. You got a you got a really good speaking voice. Thank you. Not only the Yankees broadcast gig, but also the Michael K show and center stage, mm-hmm. right? Because he does in the mornings or not in the mornings from like two to four. He's on the radio talking sports, all sports. I'm a huge football guy too, so I want to do some some uh, NFL stuff team? at some point. Giants, but I'm not like I'm not like really into the Giants. I'm more like all of football, but just because like they're the family team, I'm a Giants fan, but, but whatever, um, you know, he, and he does the center stage interview show where, you know, obviously like famous, he sits down with celebrities for like an hour and does, does a talk show with them. And then the Yankees broadcasts. I also want to like stick to one team and, you know, be able to, you know, experience and live with that team. Not like the stupid, you know, Joe Buck who goes around to a different stadium each week and, pretends that he knows the players which that's a different topic but um yeah I, I do want to stick to one team you know maybe like a um a chris Mc, not chris mccarthy tom mccarthy um the phillies broadcaster he's he's their uh he's their 
play-by-play guy during the baseball season. And then he works for CBS Sports during the offseason doing uh, football for CBS. So, you know, something like that. What would, you, what would you rather be? Would you rather end up being a play-by-play guy or a color commentary guy? Play-by-play. Um, I also do like like the sideline reporter kind of gig. You know, for the Yankees, it's the Meredith Morakovitz or the, you know, the Buster only, where you, you, you are like on air and you are a broadcaster, but you also get to do the, you know, you know, the sourcing and the, and the reporting and the interviews and all that to add to the broadcast element. So the sources element is actually something I was I wanted to ask you about because so now do you have sources? Cause I, I saw a, you know, a little bit now and then, you know, someone you'd say per source, like I think it's like you know, someone didn't get traded or someone's getting moved up uh, from single A to double A or what have you. Uh, do you have people now who will hit you up and be like, I, I heard this. Yeah, definitely. Um, the biggest thing is, as I said, I've just been in in here for in the business, I guess, for so long and been going to Yankees minor league games for so long that, you know, all the players, they know what I do and, and players and coaches, they know what I do. Um, they all follow me on social media. Um, so, you know, if there is something that they know, if there is something that, you know, it's a guy who's close with me, he'll, he'll tell me something or, um, you know, I've, I usually do the, uh, social media questioning, like, Hmm, I wonder what, th- what's happening with this person. And I'll often get, um, not often, but now and then I'll get, okay, he, he's going here. And, and usually I do like hear stuff or assume stuff and I'll, I'll ask them. And it's, it's a lot of DMing that that's, that's the big part of it. And obviously, you know, we can't avoid the fact that you're 17 years old. You're younger than most of these guys you're interviewing pretty much all of these guys um have any of them given you a hard time because of that or do all of them kind of accept hey this guy you know clearly knows what he's doing he's clearly you know well-spoken you know he's not just some high school kid showing up at the ballpark trying to get an autograph talk to players like he's legit anybody give you a hard time not in recent years you know not as i've become more professional but when i was little because remember I, i started doing this when i was 11 12 years old when I was little, that was quite the different story. Um, and like, I, I was also like the shortest kid. So I was literally like four feet tall. I'm not even kidding. That's not even an exaggeration, four feet tall, um, going up to some of these players. So, so the half behind a Corbin. <laughs> he's approximately eight feet tall. <laughs> approximately. Yeah. Give or take. Not quite there when I wear yeah. lifts. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, it was, it was really tough at the beginning, especially, you know, trying to get, trying to get the big name guys um, to take me seriously. Like, you know, some guys just like used to laugh it off and just be like, oh, okay. Like not even take the interview seriously. Um, but, but yeah, that's not the case at all anymore. And now, you know, I, as you, as you see, like the um, r- reputation in the business so far that I've been able to build up, has definitely been able to like rub off on, on guys. And, you know, most guys do know who I am, which, which is great. Who would you say is the biggest name that you've been able to interview so far? Um, probably Tim Tebow. Uh, he's, de- he's definitely the top guy uh, in terms of like fame, but, you know, Pete Alonzo, Reggie Jackson, um, you know, Bo Bichette with the, with the Blue Jays, Clint Frazier, Jordan Montgomery. I'm sure a lot of guys that I'm missing. What was interviewing Reggie like? That must have been wild. 
it was pretty wild. He was actually like one of the most calm guys. Like I kind of expected him to be like, he is kind of a famous asshole too. So I kind of expected him to be maybe a little disrespectful, but he was like super cool. Like he was super professional about it. Um, and it was just like a really like calm. It was, the interview was like so professional and good and calm. It was boring. You know what I mean? <laughs> because it was like, it was just, it yeah. just like went so well that it was like, okay. Um, and also now you got to figure that guy's around the media his whole life. Goose got, that's true. Goose Gossage too is another one. That was a really interesting one um, because he was like so like big and intimidating and he was just tried to be like really goofy and fun with it. Um, and that was, that was really fun. And I was all, I was literally like 12 years old when, when that one happened. Um, but yeah, um, some, some big names. So have you gotten your hands on any of the, uh, the, the major current Yankees prospects like a uh, Dominguez or Medina or, um, Garcia? Yeah. Uh, the only one I haven't talked to of them is, um, Dominguez, um, because it's obviously his first year. And when I was in Tampa, there was actually no in-person interviews with uh, down there, which really sucked. But so I wasn't able to talk to him. Um, I did like come close to him and like, you know, come face face to face with him. And you know, so weird that you guys like are basically the same age. Yeah, he's he's actually almost a year older than me, which is re- kind of weird. Just like because everyone talks about how young he is, and yeah, but it's obviously understandable. Um, but yeah. Who was it that we were talking about the other day about, you know, they're like, Oh, you know, he's a 25 year old player. So it's like, ah, oh, he's, we kind of know what we're getting, you know, uh, he can improve, but not quite that much. Like uh, something like that. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I know we've had this conversation. I know. And it's just like, now that we're like talking about like age and all this, it's like, Oh shit. Like we're talking about him as being like too old to really, you know, improve his stature, you know, as a prospect or as a player. And it's like, but that's us. Dude. I remember when Glaber Torres came up and he was the first athlete on a team that I liked that was younger than me. And I was sad. <laughs> and I was like, I, I respect you and I love you, but what the fuck am I doing? Jesus Christ. You're on the Yankees. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> Saquon's like a few months older than me. And I I cling to that because if he was younger, it would just, it would tear me apart. Uh, Yeah. It's going to be really sad the day that there are no active players younger um, or older than us. We, we, (laughs) we, we really need, uh, I I don't know, Aaron judge, uh, Adolis Garcia, uh, Joey Gallo to hang on forever. I'm trying my best not to interview someone younger than me. Like not just not to get it off the list. That's that's never do it. Never. Never do it. Never. Just you can only you know interview like the Bartolo Colon like exactly. five year old guys still trying to sling it. So actually, you know, a lot of speaking of our, of Bartolo Colon because my next question was about Spanish. You know, a lot of these guys their their first language is Spanish. I'm sure they're most comfortable speaking in Spanish. I'm sure a lot of these guys speak English too. But um, you know, oftentimes at the major league level, it's been a talking point for years about you know players choosing to speak in Spanish through a. Uh, then use a translator or answer questions in English. What's the, what's the language barrier like at the minors? Do these guys have translators for media people? And do you get answers from them in English? Do you speak any Spanish? Uh, No, my, my biggest regret in life is not being able to speak Spanish, but, um, but the language barrier is the exact same at the minor league level. And I would say it's tougher 
because there are no translators, the translator is a player or coach. That's, that's who it is always. And oftentimes it is a manager or coach. And we joke, you know, what if, or well, a, obviously the guys might not give an honest answer about how he felt that day or how he's going to feel the next day. If his manager is sitting right there and the one translating, um, and you know, you, you also are, are, our worry is always, what if the guy says something the manager doesn't like and the manager just says a completely different thing? You know, that kind of thing. Because Acts as a PR agent and a manager exactly. and a translator. Yeah. Exactly. And you really, you know, most of the time, you know, obviously, I don't know, but the guys always do seem great about it and are always happy to do it. Um, and, you know, a lot of these guys do speak like an okay amount of English to where they can, you know, have a bit of a conversation. But you know, obviously they, and good for good, good for them. Like they don't feel confident enough in a second language to, to speak it. And you, you know, you do respect those guys for, for you know, being aware of, of the media and being aware of what they're saying and wanting to be clear. Um, but you know, the language barrier is, is absolutely huge and not just Spanish. You know, there's, there's a few guys, you know, Hoy Park, who I'm sure, you know, was just traded to the, uh, pirates to the pirates he um followed him throughout the minors and um he there was never anyone to translate for him that was my minors. next question yeah because those so, not a lot of those guys exactly so that was always really tough and he just recently um in the minors started speaking uh english in his press conferences and you know obviously great for him for for you know that's that takes a lot of balls to go up in a, a language you're really not that confident in and speak but because he was starting to be kind of a big prospect. He wanted to go up and speak English. Um, and in the minors he did. And then in the majors, he, when they, they gave him a translator, so he started using the translator, but you know, that's kind of, kind of a, a little special thing, at least for me that, you know, not very many people in the media, not many, very many people period can say that they talk to him in English. So that's, that's a little fun thing, but yes, the, the language barrier is just giant in, in baseball. Yeah, the the fact that I because I actually wasn't aware that they didn't give uh, translators. Obviously, you assume that they have to cut out at some level because I you, know, you doubt that there's like a low A ball player with a translator just because of the way the world works. You wouldn't assume that there is one. But the fact that there wasn't one for the Japanese and a lot of the Asian players, that's really surprising because that is significantly less common a language over here. Um, in fact, man, that must have been fucking awful for Hojun Park to have virtually no one in the clubhouse he could talk to yeah because he can't that's, communicate that's really with anybody that's really how it is um and especially there's even the case sometimes with the english guys that can't even communicate with their teammates um and it it sometimes even affects the game where opposed to a, a pitcher and a catcher having a meeting to talk over signs they need to have a manager someone else come in and translate you know in the minors so um, you know, it is really tough, just the whole dynamic there is, you know, obviously you're not in, in a clubhouse, so you can't really see everything. Um, but it also does lead to, you know, baseball obviously is a melting pot, but one thing is, you know, then obviously the, the Spanish players hang with the Spanish players, English with English, you know, they, they stick to, to them, which also doesn't lead to necessarily a, a great deal of clubhouse bonding sometimes. And you sometimes do see that with a team where they are a little separated and that's often the reason why. Um, yeah. So at this juncture, you have 
a lot of different, like there's a lot of specialties within the world of baseball for what you can do kind of inside of it. You know, you could go like the Jeff Passan route and be a, a, a true insider, go the Michael K route and end up, you know, being a, a broadcaster. You could go the John Sterling route and end up being the radio guy. You could go like a, Sha- a Shakia Taylor route and be a culture and historical person or uh, like a Randy Wilkins and, and end up doing um, like video. Have, if you, let's say the Michael K route, for whatever reason, it wasn't the A track, you know, like you had one of the other routes was more available to you. Where do you, where would you, where would you feel like you'd end up? Where would you, where would you want to end up being if the, the main TV broadcaster one, maybe it was like a third step out and you weren't there yet. Definitely the Jeff Passon route. Um, just because the, I, I hate writing though. That's the thing. Like that's, that's the reason I want to be a broadcaster. And I'm just, I'm doing so much writing, even though I, I hate it so much, like just to get my, get into it. And like, I'm not a bad writer, I think at least, but um, uh, yeah, I would definitely go the Jeff Passon insider route. That seems like a whole lot of fun phone always on you have every single person in baseball's number the connections the everything and jeff passon is on tv a decent amount um uh, on espn but um i really do love the talent talent evaluation side of it and i would love to be a a scout with an organization that's you know i've always said if, if something really doesn't work out if maybe like i lose my voice or something um then then I'll become a, a scout because I do love that and writing up evaluations and stuff. And even, you know, like a, a Baseball America, or they do have, you know, the, the Keith Law kind of like ESPN minor league baseball guy or, um, you know, I would love to be in, in like even a J.J. Cooper, who is, you know, the head of Baseball America. And he's obviously he's like, you know, obviously like a decent guy in the um, baseball industry and in the media industry, but like, you know, not n- nowhere near Jeff Passan, obviously. Um, and even just someone like him who gets to go around the games, evaluate talent, write it up. The only reason, because I would love to be a scout, but the only thing is then your opinions are only published for a few other people to see. So I, I do like that where like, it's very, you know, insider in the organization and your decisions and your talent evaluation really means something when you're a scout with a team. Um, like, it seriously means something opposed to it just influences the public opinion when you're a baseball writer. So, you know, I do love, do love the scouting world and I might get into that, but to answer your question, even though I've rambled on for a very long time, Jeff passing his answer. This is, this is a rambling podcast. There's no shame yeah, in the rambling. Okay. There's absolutely no shame. I'm also very relieved to hear I've that you, noticed. Oh yeah, no, please don't feel bad about that. I'm also very glad that you said it's that 90% you, of what we do. Oh, please. If, if, it, if it could be more, it's probably more. But I'm also glad to hear that you say that you don't care for writing much because, oh, my God, neither do I. And I like this year, I joined the IBWAA specifically to like force myself to start writing about baseball. And I just can't bring myself to do it because it's not my interest. The ideas like, are so fun. Like when you're piecing together an article and like what you're going to say and how you're going to say it, it's so fun. And like, for me, you know, like typing up like little, little sentences about what I think I should say. But then the second that like, I actually have to write and piece together an article, like it sucks. And then the editing process and like, you're yeah. going to be better for it, but it's not fun. Yeah. 
I, yeah, I'm I aware. Tried doing- I know. At least I know that early. <laughs> I tried doing that with football years ago, back in years ago. It was fucking college. And I found that like, I'd get super into it and like, I hate writing just like everybody else, but like I would just be able to sit down and just put out my thoughts, you know, just blah, 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 blah. And then I'd go back to read it. And it's like, this is, this is fucking gibberish and drill. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't publish anything close to this. These thoughts oh, are not connected in any meaningful way. <laughs> exactly. Like my voice and just how I talk on here. It's like nothing actually makes sense. And like some sentences start and it's like, all right, there's like six periods that need to be put in there. Exactly. So do you ever, after you talk to somebody, like, let's say you, you got your hands on, I, I don't know, pick a prospect, Anthony Volpe. Um, I talked you, to him the other day. Uh, so, so after you talk to you guy, uh, to a guy, would you ever be like, uh, Hey, can I, uh, hit you up if I have any more questions? Like, do you, do you try to find a way to communicate with them outside of the, like media scrum or, or on the field stuff, or, or do you try to keep it very much so in the, I guess, like normal channels? Um, I haven't necessarily worked on a piece that's like, you know, so important that like, I need to know every detail or want to, um, would want to like nothing so major. I would need to follow up with someone in a situation that I can at the ballpark. So, you know, I don't necessarily like ask for a follow-up or, where I could reach them or anything like that. And I also try to be really, really respectful of guys um, privacy. And I, you know, I, how we talked about like the professionalism and guys not taking me seriously, it still is, even though I'm, you know, kind of not kind of, even though like I am a professional, it is still a little bit weird sometimes when, you know, a little kid like me asks for like the phone number, or at least I think Um, I always have business cards that I hand out, tell them to follow me on social media a lot of guys do. And, you know, if I do need to contact the guy, I'll contact them that way. And, you know, sometimes like I'll DM a guy, like a, a question um, to add into an article, but that's really the most. Right. Cause I, you know, the minor league, obviously players make adjustments at every single level, including the major league level, but it feels like there is a certain level of attention paid towards adjustments made at the minor league levels, because it's like, this is what's, keeping him from getting promoted to the majors or whatever. Right now we're seeing it a lot with David Garcia because there's been talk about something being changed in his release points um, or some mechanical issue with his delivery that got changed that has caused his ERA to balloon and for him to not be seen necessarily as a guy who's going to make an immediate impact on the Yankees that people thought he might after last season. And so I was wondering, do you ever try to, cause that, that part for me is the toughest thing. If you showed me four deliveries for Davey Garcia and said that one of them was different, I think I would have a very hard time picking out which one was like the different release point, unless it was painfully obvious. But that oftentimes is like, that's the thing. I don't know. Do you remember, um, I want to say it was, 20, it was either 2017 or 2018. Luis Severino was thought to have been tipping his pitches against the Astros. And it was the difference of his glove being like here against his belt and here against his belt. Like it was really small. And I had watched every inning Luis Severino had pitched that season. And I absolutely did not notice that. But sometimes that's, that's the difference. So do you ever, 
How are you doing with developing the eye for that type of stuff? Because I think if it was me, that's the that's the thing I'd want to follow up with the guy on and be like, did something change? What changed? There's so much here I have to ask about. I I couldn't fit it all in a scrum. Like I need I need I need I need more, Tony. I need more. How are you, how are you doing with like like that part of it? I feel like. I- you know, it's a very long question. I'm sorry. Considering you're good. Considering my, my age and you know, that, as I said, this is my first year, like paying extreme attention to every single little detail um, that I feel like I am. I haven't picked up on anyone tipping pitches yet, but you know, I, and I also did play baseball in high school. So that, that seriously helps, even though I was really, really bad. Um <laughs> But actually, I finished my career with a uh, 666 varsity batting average and 0.00 ERA. Hey, there you go, man. But um, back to the question. <laughs> um, you know, I haven't picked up on anyone tipping pitches, but just, you know, being able to read a breaking ball out of a hand or read, you know, that a guy is when he's going to throw a changeup is coming down on the mound with a lot more force than he is with a fastball where he's you know, leaning more on his backside, um, the small things like that, I, you know, I do see. And um, that really has, does help, obviously, in the talent evaluation department. But it's, um, you know, it, it is hard to pick up on. And that's why video is so big. And, you know, as I said, like the video, you know, I'm really like up close and get the, I do try to get the right angles where I can go back and watch this guy throw six pitches and, you know, kind of be able to write an entire scouting report on it based off of what I saw. So it, it does help the more baseball you watch. And I've probably been to, a, would say, around 50 baseball games this year, um, either at the professional or collegiate level. So it, it does help the more baseball you see and the more different, you know, arm slots and the way guys throw and, and the way the ball sounds off of the bat. And like the angle and the spin of the ball, that's, that's something, especially with spin rate in baseball um, being a hot topic. That's, that's one of the biggest things I've picked up on this season is being able to look at, look at the ball and see the way it's spinning, the rotation that it's spinning, what way the seams are angled, even just the small stuff like that. All right. (laughs) So, so I, I'm, I oftentimes start questions and then have to stop myself because they didn't start the way I wanted them to. So sorry about that, but I know the feeling that happens to me many times. It, it happens okay. to me several times a show and I've, we're on <laughs> episode 268 of this and it will still Jeez. happen to me forever. Um, so yeah, it's an eternal, an eternal problem. So when you go into uh, your, your questions with the players afterwards, do you get actual answers to that? Because it's tough because at that point, a lot of these guys are still like, there is something preventing them from reaching the majors. And if it is something like, ah, oh, the batter is flying open through their swing and that's the, that's what's keeping them from, you know, dragging the head through the zone and, or whatever, you know, that might be the thing that that's keeping them from being called up or, you know, keeping them from making some, whatever type of progress a team wants to see. Do you, do you ever get the chance to ask those like, really minute questions and when you do do you get those types of answers or is it a lot of platitudes like you know we're out there trying something new every day you know it's working on stuff and in, in batting practice you know a lot of that type of shit 
Yeah, I, I you do do that, but it's on the positive side. Like I would never ask someone like, hey, your bat's, you know, a little slow through the zone and imbalanced. Why do you think that is? Why are you, how are you going to improve on, um, improve on that? You know, I don't really ask like those type of questions, but I definitely, you know, ask about, you know, a guy spin rating and how I, I always ask, um, how would you describe um, your pitch? Like, what, what is it? How would you describe it? How would you describe your swing? Um, what's, what's the key to your swing? What, what do your eyes look at the most um, when you're swinging or when you're throwing or, um, you know, what adjectives would you use to describe your, your pitch is one I often use. So, so those kind of things. Um, but, you know, and also another thing is you got to realize that every single baseball player at these levels are insanely freaking good. Like there's not a serious thing where it's the angle of their bat or there's not a major thing that would catch our eyes um, that would be a difference in terms of them making the big leagues. All these guys are insanely, insanely good at baseball. They're the best baseball players in the world. Even a guy in, in rookie ball is one of the top, you know, I guess it would be like 8,000 baseball players in the world. When, when you look at it at the big scale of how many baseball players there are in the world, that is pretty insane. Um, so these guys are just so good and the attention that they get with the, the scouting and the development and their coaches and all that, there's really, there's rarely something so giant in terms of a guy's swing that you notice. It's always, you know, very minor things that happen on a specific pitch and they always know that they need to work on those things. I'm learning Tough very question. that I would probably get kicked out of, of, of media scrum for asking horrible <laughs> questions. All right, so this is one that I've always had going back uh, to the football scouting. You have guys that you, you know, you watch every single year, every, you know, couple years, every now and then they're going to get called up. They're going to go to the show. Who's been a guy that you've kind of bucked the popular trend against other, you know, scouts, other sports writers where it's either worked out great and, you know, you found a diamond in the rough or you just didn't like a guy that a bunch of people loved and for some reason you missed it and he ended up being a great player. Are, do you have any of those guys that stick out in your mind? Um, Not necessarily. I mean, there's a few guys like, um, you know, Jordan Romano was a pitcher who like wasn't a top prospect at all. And I saw him like, I really, really loved him. And, um, you know, I, in my mind, like this guy's a big league pitcher. And then he eventually, uh, he was a, I think he got hurt, but he was the closer for the blue Jays in the MLB last year. And so, you know, it, it always does feel really good when like you see a guy have that much success, you know, what? actually a very good one who I, who I, when I saw him play, you know, I thought like, this dude can really, can really ball is Jeff McNeil. And at the time, a lot of guys weren't too high on him, especially because he has like a really wacky swing and he's, he's a really small guy and his tools don't necessarily like pop out. But I remember really liking him um, when I saw him play in the minors. So that's a guy that always stands out. Nestor Cortez as well um, with the Yankees. I saw him play in double A and fell in love with him because he's just so wacky and, um, you know, the way he mixes everything up and he doesn't throw too hard. 
And, but as I said, like, this is really the first year, honestly, that I'm paying so much attention to every single pitch. And there's probably a hundred different prospects, probably more that I've tweeted about this year, either saying I love them or I don't like them. And that I'm insanely excited to see how all of that turns out. And already there's been a couple guys like um, it felt really good today, actually. Um, a rookie league player who I saw a couple weeks ago and I did, I did not stop like tweeting about him. I loved him so much um, just today. You know, he was promoted to, to the next level of the minors. So just the small stuff like that is super cool to see, you know, when you're, when you're super high on a guy that no one's talking about and then, something like that happens. Or, you know, when a guy you talk about, you always talk about um, is added to like, you know, the Yankees top 30 prospect list, for example, all this stuff like that is, is really cool when you, when you pick up on a guy. And it's also super cool this year, you know, with I've gained a decent following for this. And it's also cool when I um, say I don't like, or I do like something small about a specific guy, you know, I don't like the way this catcher sets up. And then it's been picked up on by, you know, other people and other people begin to talk about this on social media. So, so that's been something, something really cool, but there's, there's definitely all the feel good stories. Like when you, when you're really high on a guy and he winds up panning out, I rambled that's, on a lot, as you can tell. Again, again, no more. I know <laughs> that. Cool. And that's one of the things that makes baseball such a unique kind of journey for people to be on as an observer to it, because that's the type of thing that you just don't have in other sports and you really get to follow a guy's rise because there's so many players there's so many levels and there's so much that goes into the minutiae of the game that leads to someone eventually making the show that kind of getting to follow a guy who's like figuring it out it's like it's like finding an indie band before they get big yeah. You know, every, everyone loves that. Everyone loves when that happens to him. It's like, yeah, I saw I saw Wolf pick before they played MSG. I was there, man. I was at Brooklyn Steel. You don't even know. Everyone loves having that shit. It, it's half exactly. the fun. Huh? Exactly. Did you did you find Wolf pick before they were big? No, I, I, I caught him on the upswing. <laughs> Ethan, though, Ethan was a huge Wolf pick fan from like 20, 2011. He was on it early. Shit, I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, Ethan loves him. You should, you live with him. How do you not talk music with him? Because I don't talk music with anyone. And that's why you're you're who you are. That's why that's that that's your faults, my friend. Listen to more music. Eli, top three bands, quick. Bands? Bands. We're talking music now for no bands. good reason. Give me give me music. Who you listen to right now? Uh you ready? You, Play it on me. Uh Lil Dirt, King Vaughn. Uh Stunner for Vegas. Damn, I don't know any of that shit. I don't know. They're not bands. Guys, yeah. They're rappers. Like I assume I yeah. listen to like like serious like serious uh like rap. Like and Maybe I just don't, it doesn't fit me at all. Rappers of all time. Dylan, 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 and Dylan. Why? Because I spit hot fire. Go fuck yourself. You're the worst. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's I cool. I know. So, yeah. All right. I'm, I'm a big '90s hip hop guy, so I'm about that. As we all should be, we should all be kicking it to Tribe Called Quest. All right, but pub- Public Enemy is very clearly the 80s, all right? Public Enemy obviously rolled into the 90s, but was very clearly Sorry, in the 80s. I don't have just the perfect poster for every occasion hanging behind me when we record. I'm just know? saying, if you have a song featured in Do the Right Thing, like, you, you, you 80s, 80s. Anyway, that's even before we're born, so we can't even sound old saying this shit. So... <laughs> 
uh, we got to get going. Uh, Eli, thank you so much for joining us. This is a really interesting conversation as we kind of get into seeing what it is you are doing right now, because as much, again, as big of fans as Corbin and I are, we do not follow the minor leagues like that. It is really comes down to guys like you who go to the games and spread the word to us. Cause it's not going to be spoon fed the way MLB is in a large extent with uh, constant email updates and social media updates um, that MLB actually puts out so that you can, people can follow along passively. It really comes down to people going to the games, letting you know what's happening. You kind of having to follow it down. So it's really interesting to hear what that process has been like for you. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Can you, uh, why don't you tell people one more time here at the back end uh, where people can find you, where people can find your articles, uh, any cool games you're excited for coming up that you're headed to, Tell, tell the people what's going on. Well, to answer the last question, I just got a notification that Luis Severino is pitching in Somerset tomorrow, so I'll get to see that. So that's going to be fun. Um, but Twitter, at Eli J. Fishman. Instagram, at Eli J. Fishman. Um, go to prospects1500.com. Go to jerseysportingnews.com. Go to pinstrikeprospects.com. And Eli, I, I have like a little portfolio website too, elifishman.com. You really have the market cornered on Eli Fishman <laughs> handles. Yes. Most no, of them were no actually future used. Eli Fishman. You'd be surprised how many Eli Fishman handles were taken up. I Dude, I'm not be. I'm not surprised at all because Joshua Tracy was taken most Joshua places. Joshua Tracy is like you I would expect a Josh Tracy. Eli I, I, Fishman. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. know. Apparently the world was 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 had so many Josh Tracys. There was a whole bunch. I wasn't expecting there to be too many of that, but I've never met another Tracy in my life. Why are there so many with my first name too? Anyway, that's a problem for a different day. Uh, Eli, man, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, guys. Hi, welcome back. Thanks again to Eli for joining us. Um, Corwin and I totally forgot to record this intro and outro part after – Eli and I talked. I had to like run out to a um, baseball game, a softball game. Went two for three. Just saying, just saying. That's right. Scored a couple runs. Got a hustle double in there. You know, heads up. I also ate shit in the outfield. (laughs) Nobody saw it. Everyone saw it. I, I, dude, because like we played our game. Our game started at nine thirty at night, and the grass was dewy as shit, and everyone was slip. It happened so fast, I didn't realize I fell until I was three feet beyond where I had slipped because I just slip and sled my way. Like, like I went, man. I was going. There were, I was there was a point where I was just like, fuck, we're just going to have to ride this bitch out and, and just, just let this shit keep it moving. Uh, but I got the ball in, so I guess that counts for something. So, yeah, our clothes are different. Everything's different. Um, we're humans. Oh, Corwin, buddy, you're muted again. You're going to have to tape that mute button up. Yeah, probably. It's rough. Uh, So next week, next week, next episode, we will not be having a guest. But after that, we'll be having Shakia Taylor on to talk to us about a whole slew of topics. Uh, She's a wonderful writer, so definitely give a chance. uh, Stick around to check that out. Check that out in a few episodes next week. but yeah, that's that, man. So uh, if you want to follow the show, you can do so at Juice and Pod. If you want to follow 
Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracing. If you'd like to email the show, you can do so at juicingthenumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one.